Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Life Without Limits podcast. I'm your host, Casey Stutzman. We are recording at the Performance Locker in Alpena, Michigan. I personally am extremely excited for this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it because it's going to be very, very, very different from what you might be used to from from the podcast. Um, We are doing... So in the, in the world of comic books, they do what are called crossover events. So you might be reading an issue of Batman, and at the end of the issue it says to continue this story, pick up an issue of Nightwing number, so on and so forth. And the story continues there, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a thing that happens quite often in comics. So today we are doing our first ever Performance Locker podcast crossover. We're going to be sitting down with Steve and Brad from Hot Take from the Kitchen. So they have a podcast where they sit down with local people in the Alpena area, movers, shakers, um, people who are doing stuff in the community, people who are active and involved, business owners, people behind organizations, just a lot of unique and and fascinating individuals in our community. Um, I've known Steve and Brad for a really, really long time. They're great guys. And actually, they are the reason that this podcast exists. Um, some time ago, they invited me in to chat on their podcast. So I've done two episodes with them. So if you search the Hot Take from the Kitchen podcast, you can find two with uh, that, that I've got to sit down and talk with the guys. Um, the first one, we talk about the kind of the story of Performance Locker, how it all came to be. So if you're interested in that, you can check it out. I can't remember the episode number, but you can find it in there. Uh, and then we talk um, uh, about the podcast <laughs> on the, the second episode and a, and a few other things. But um, so after being on their show, I had done a podcast years and years and years ago that I really enjoyed doing and life just got tough and we opened the business and it, it became challenging to keep up with it. And technologically, it was not as easy to do back when I was first doing it. So it was a lot of work to record and upload and edit and cut and do all these different things. Um, so after sitting down with them, I just kind of got re-inspired to, to do it again. And Steve helped me navigate, you know, some of the new software and some of the things that are available. So, uh, Steve and Brad are the, 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 the inspirational force behind the Life Without Limits podcast. So it's for the longest time I've been wanting to bring them in and kind of do a special crossover episode. Um, we talk a little bit about their show so you can learn a little bit about it. We get to know them a little bit more. Um, I'd been struggling with a way to figure out how to make something in the show fitness related. So I think I figured out a way. So hopefully you enjoy that. And uh, if you've listened to any of Steve or Brad's podcasts, and if you've listened to the ones with me and them, you will know that Steve and I and, and Brad are big, big, big geeks. And Steve and I are real big comic book readers. And uh, so we also talk about the Avengers Endgame movie. So if you haven't seen it, before you get to that part at the end, you might want to push pause because we do a few spoilers and whatnot, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, we talked about some different things and took some deep dives in some different areas and, and it, conversation went all over the place, but I thoroughly enjoy it. So a uh, little different episode. I hope you guys like it. And without further ado, here's Stephen Brad. Special guests. And not only special guests, you guys are our first, let's call it non, I don't, I, I don't want to make this sound like a negative because it's not. I'm super excited to have you here. But any, anybody outside of our team that we've had so far is like we've had, uh, yeah, dietitians and physical therapists and whatnot. 
So this is going to be our first conversation outside of the realm of fitness a little bit, and I'm, I'm pretty doped. I'm pretty excited. Um, we're happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on with me right now. So who are these people that I'm sitting across? Well, we have Brad Preslowski. Brad Preslowski. And I'm actually really happy with that right now. We were just talking about how to, like, so I didn't grow up around here. Like, reading Polish last names is a skill. And it's a skill that I don't think if you're born here, you can't ascertain in a period of time. The Z is usually silent. It's just, it's really it's tricky. Just, we like to confuse people. It's, I get it. It's cool. I understand. It's like a secret language, like, you know, the handshakes that... Everybody calls Polish people stupid. Well, we had a Z. Untrue. And everybody else if you stupid. can spell and pronounce those last names, you are not stupid. I will say that. I just think if you say the first, almost the first letter and then sneeze, you're almost nine times out of ten. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Steve Jacobson. Also has a weird spelled last name. Um, yes, and if you want to talk about that, I can really quick. I, I would actually like to know, because I get a lot of people that are like, I was talking to Steve Jacobson, and I'm like, Jacobson. I'm like, oh, is that how you say so it? Slovak, but I'm adopted. Gotcha. I'm obviously South Korean. Gotcha. So. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm getting to learn more about you as we yeah. say You didn't know he was South Korean, or... Why? Oh, All right, so <laughs> he's spicy today. We, we talked about uh, I talked about this on the intro a little bit. Um, so Steve and Brad have the Hot Take from the Kitchen podcast, which we did an episode recently, and we talked about this weird full circle of art imitating life, imitating art. That forever ago, I did this podcast that apparently Steve thought was kind of cool, and then they start this amazing podcast, and I'm like, man, I'm inspired, and I want to get back into it. So it's like. This is kind of a cool thing. This is a like this is very full circle. I love having you guys here right now because really, like you guys are the reason that we're doing this. Like you guys were a lot of help in terms of software and getting started again and getting up and running and and just provided yeah a lot of inspiration and as were for you for uh, at least for me. I think Brad a little bit. I listened to your earlier podcast. I appreciate it, man. It's just it's cool. It's just, it's just it's a cool thing. So I like I dig having you guys here right now. So. Um, Tell, tell the folks at home about the hot take from the kitchen, which, fun fact, the first time I went to listen to one, um, I can't remember who it was. It was before Mary Beth was on. I can't remember who the first one Anyway, so when I went to search it, mm -hmm. I accidentally put in hot takes, mm -hmm. and it auto-corrected from the auto, the first auto-correct was hot takes from hot dykes. Nice. And I'm like, I don't think that's theirs. No. <laughs> I mean, the name was on the board, but we, we, we... And I just want you to know, that's what you're competing against, so there might be a little bit of an uphill battle for you guys, just throwing that out there. You know what's funny is, I mean, Brad and you, hot takes kind of a sportsy term a little bit. True. But you got, you're both big sports guys. Yeah. And what's funny is, and I know Brad knows this, is that in the podcast world or sports world, hot takes certainly not a new term. No. But for so many people that really don't know anything about, maybe it's don't listen to the pods or true. Aren't, don't follow sports nearly as passionately as Brad and I do. Right. We're kind of like, well, I don't, I don't get the hot take thing. Like, and it's been amazing how many times we've kind of explained the whole thing. Yeah. Out. So uh, hot take from the kitchen, which is always recorded in Brad's in kitchen. kitchen. Well, most, most times. Most of the time. Sometimes That's true. we go on the road. So. You, got, you did one on the road here? Yes. But it was still in a kitchen? Yes. Uh, sort of. It was in the restaurant, so I guess... No, he meant here. Oh, here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We did so he did, 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 did a remote in on the road kitchen. and in the kitchen. So it's still, it's true to form. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the podcast and how it got started. 
Well, <laughs> me and Steve had been talking. We talked about doing a podcast for a while. We just didn't have a space that was functional enough for everything. Then last year I bought a house and had this nice kitchen. That, that was, was it. Open. And so we just decided, hey, let's do this right. Well, we talked about it for a couple of weeks, but we planned it and it's just taken off from there from my kitchen. So, so one thing... Well, many things, but one of the things, you guys got a great format to the show that I really dig. Um, and even for, and we've talked about this before, I used to be more into sports and have fallen away from it. We got rid of cable and just life and stuff. And so, yeah, it's just not something I get into as much anymore, but I love listening to episodes. So you always start off with like big things in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of sports related. There's a lot of pop culture related. There's a lot of things. And it's always so fascinating because the conversations are great, whether the people know what you're talking about or what they don't. Like I loved when Mary Beth was on and you guys were talking about something NBA playoff related and like to hear like the questions that she would chime in. And it was just, it was great. Like it just works regardless of whatever the depth of knowledge the people you're talking to is. And you get to see like all these unique takes and perspectives on, on those things from whoever you're sitting across from. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I think the, well, the strength of our pod, which we've gotten there, was is that we, and you, you've done a good job of this two years, is we've tried to do our best job of fully embracing the, the guest. You know what I mean? So if it's Mary Beth, yeah. you know, we really want, you know, we don't want to ever make a guest feel dumb. Right. Although our last pod, we probably should have done that because the last guest, uh, Molly Barnes-Tapansky, really picked on me. She came an agenda. I would feel like she really wanted to assert herself that she was a North Carolina fan and that she wanted to let me know that she did not appreciate that I was a Duke fan. Uh, and she, any chance she could have got well before because, you know, we... Um, our last episode, we went out to it was taste local difference. Okay. okay. So they had the uh, magazine reveal, and we went out way out to Harrisville for the Alcona Brew House. And yeah. We got to experience that, and she came, and we had a beer, and we were eating dinner, and she'd come and just keep picking and barbing me, and um, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> in, in that whole thing, though, it's like I said, we embrace it. Yeah. Uh, we try to at least. Yeah. And I love who you guys always have on too. I mean, just a number of different people in our community that are doing cool stuff from like all walks of life, whether it be Christy with the Roller Derby Girls or um, Jeffrey with the theater or Jordan uh, doing his thing with Blue Collar down in Mayo. Like it's just, it's such so many different people and they're all people that are in our community and it's great to like get to know these people better and what drives them and what motivates them and you know you always do a good job talking about like what it is that makes them unique and I think that's such a cool thing because I mean I can only speak personally but I think a lot of times people people who are actively doing stuff for the community are not necessarily doing it because they want the recognition they're doing it because it's what they're drawn to or it's the right thing to do. And these are people who generally don't like to talk about themselves, but it's kind of a shame because they're interesting. Your wife's a great example. She's a perfect example of that. Like she will never – like I'm so glad that you guys had her on. I'm so glad she had that opportunity that conversation because she like – she'll never toot her own horn. In fact, she's mostly self-deprecating. Like, <laughs> and, the, and the funny thing about it is, is 
and it seems like we watch this with at least your Facebook feed. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a terrible way of trying to guess. But I feel like Mary Beth in her position, most of her, what she does is, is we don't see it in Alpena because we live in Alpena. 100% right. So I feel like a lot of times she has to justify almost yeah. what she does. Yeah. You know, and my favorite thing about our pod and sitting down with her is she was able to tell us a little bit more of the why right. and how her position, job, whatever you want to call it, got to where it's at now. And I think, you know, because my, you know, my sister's favorite thing who lives in North Carolina is when she sees a Pure Michigan commercial. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, it doesn't happen very often, but she, she absolutely loves them. And, and those are the type of things where we don't know about it when those type of things exactly. come on because they're thousands and hundred miles away and right. that's the type of work that she's doing your right. life Mary Beth trying to bring people to our area <laughs> we don't know that I mean yep. maybe Brad's brother might be have some insight that's he lives in Ann Arbor you know, no but you're 100 percent right like yeah a lot of the stuff that her organization does for the community isn't seen in the community because their job is to get people here it's to attract visitors so like that's not a message that is appropriate to share with us because we're here we live here we take advantage of these things but um Yes, I just I love that you're giving people like that a platform to talk not only about themselves, their work, their organizations, helping to create a better understanding throughout the community, uh, giving people a sounding box. You know, you guys do such a great job, like focusing on the guests and putting them on a pedestal, and you know, helping them share like what they do. And and I think there's so much benefit to all of us as a community when we understand not only the hard work that goes into making a theater successful, to making a CVB successful, to making the Marine Sanctuary successful, like, you know, we just get to see the finished product and we never fully understand all the sacrifice and all the work that goes into it unless we're attached to those people. So I love that you're giving people that platform and I think you guys do it in such a great way. Like you bookend it with the entertainment. You know, so we're always starting with the hot take and then we're finishing with the top five. So even if you don't know who the guest is, you, you might always come back for these things because I enjoy hearing, you know, okay, what's going on in the sports world? What's going on in the pop culture world that, that you guys and the list and the, the, the person you're interviewing and, and what, and, and I love how you let the guest pick the top five. For the most part, we try to. The only time we don't is when they don't have anything. And that's understandable. And yeah. I know you're going to run into that, but like, I think it's always cool. Are you like, well, what would you like to do? Yeah. And then you guys always graciously play along, and I think that's super cool. I think sometimes what would be fun, and I think with Brad and I have talked about this once, would be to have the same top five each time. So, for example, let's say it's top five cereal. Bad example, but let's just say this. But that would be super interesting. Because like, oh, hey, our guest this week is Casey Stutzman. And people would be like, well, you know what? I would love to hear. What, <laughs> what kind of cereal? What five cereals are you going to And I think there would be, because like you said, people are getting used to the format a little bit. Yep. So to have that, hey. or But then again, the other thing is, is like you said, I think people are kind of, well, I wonder what top five they're going to bring with Casey. Like, exactly. You know, so. Um, I got to cheat a little bit in my first episode. I got two. I felt pretty privileged. Um, we could. You were two good top fives. I appreciate it, but. Because you actually got me to read a Batman comic book. Which one? Uh, fuck. <laughs> Hush? It might have been that one. It was where everybody came together. It was Hush. Yeah. I love, so my favorite story about Hush, um, I don't care. So, yes. <laughs> so off, off, off mic, Steve and I have had conversations, and I love how you're like, you know, sometimes I listen to the Life Without Limits pod, and I, I can tell where you're reserved. Mm-hmm. 
and you're not letting the geek flag completely fly. Today, I feel like it's appropriate to let it go. So, um, but anyway, they were talking to Jim Lee, who is the, the, the author illustrator of, of the Hush book. And when they went to him and they're like, well, you know, he, so he famously did X-Men in the 90s and was the guy who was like single-handedly responsible for making that huge boom of X-Men popularity back in the 90s. And then DC brought him over and said, you can have anybody. Who do you want? You want Batman? Take Batman. And like, every, like that's everybody aspires to write a Batman story. He's like the most rich character to write for because of his vulnerability. And he's got this amazing rogues gallery. So he's got all these great villains and he's super vulnerable, which makes for great storytelling. That is something I want to talk to you about, but keep going. I'm in. <clears throat> anyway, so they're like, well, which, which villain do you want to use? And he's like, well, all of them. I, so Hush famously has like all the all-stars, which is why it's such a sweet book. So. So let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? I love it. And you hit it right on the head. Vulnerability is what I think Bruce Wayne has right. that Batman doesn't. And I don't think there will be a better actor that's ever played Batman <laughs> to show that side of vulnerability than Robert Pattinson. I think we're going to see a great... Great Batman, and I know you've been taking a lot of flack for it, a lot of heat for it. I've been I've been taking flack just because like it's so meme worthy, right? And every time there's a new one, it gets shared on my Facebook page without hesitation. Yeah. So I'm gonna be completely honest. When I first saw the announcement, my initial reaction was shit. <laughs> However, I readily admit I was one of the people. That when Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker, that said, are you serious? Knight's Tale? What? Yeah. And then we know how that turned out. Yeah. So ever since then, I'm like, you know what? Maybe casting directors know something I don't know. I'm going to wait. I'm going to see how it plays out. And then I'll give my two cents. I mean, Batman is gothic-y, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's... 100% of this dark and kind of grimy world and I st- yeah. why what, what I love is we've always or I shouldn't say we like I'm part of the thing but um, they've always gone after actors that kind of aren't that that's true and what I like about this is it almost to say hey you know we're going to own it we're going to own that it's this kind of gothic-y you know vulnerable right. lack of a better term emo type of person yeah. and they brought him in and I I, I mean I'm like I said, I know maybe I'm in the minority in this, but... I don't think so. I think, you know, in this day and age, you could cast God himself to play any role and the internet's going to lose its mind. I don't think it matters. I think there's just a bunch of people that like to be pissed off about anything. And it's easier to, you know, throw shame and throw hate and cast shadows. So I, I got to be honest, it's growing on me. I can see it. And I'm like, I'm super excited to see where they go with it. And I'm going to walk into the theater excited and I'm going to walk in. What We've talked about this before. I'm going to do my best to walk in without expectations, but with a character you're so connected with, it's just hard. Yeah. You know, that's like one of my favorite superhero movie experiences to date was Guardians of the Galaxy. Because I walked in complete clean slate. I'm like, I know this is a thing, but I don't know these characters. I have no connection. I'm not walking in with any baggage. Take me for a ride. Yeah. And I was blown away. But like every time there's a Batman movie, I walk in with a ton of baggage. And that's always tough. That's how Civil War was for me. I get it. I wish they would have given me what I wanted, which, I mean, not that they called me. 
but <laughs> we all knew that Ben Affleck was unhappy with playing Batman, or just there was some discrimination, whatever. With you know, I feel like that's one of those things that we're going to find out in twenty years that there's so much more to that story. There's a lot going on between Warner Brothers and DC, and there's clearly a lot of like disorganization, mismanagement. Like, there's just a lot of stuff that I don't think we're privy to. I think there's more to those stories than we're getting. And I, I think one thing, two things. One, Affleck's a comic book guy. So if I think if at any point Affleck felt, man, you're not doing Batman slash Bruce Wayne a certain, the right justice of it, I think he'd be be the first one to say, hey, you know what? Yeah. But the other thing is, is I you could I mean as we know as a comic book guy, you could have killed him. You could have that storyline is written in Batman to yep. be able to kill him. Yep. And I wish you would. They could have kept it under wraps on who was going to be the new Batman. Right. Because you could have totally. Yeah, 100%, but you can't do that now. Uh, no, you're right. But you could have 100 percent killed Ben Affleck. Yep. Have Superman throw him in the Lazarus pit. Yep. Bring him back, and then you could have totally. Re- and, and you're able to reboot that. Whatever. Even if you didn't do Lazarus Pit, there's so many, like, at one point, Dick Grayson wore the cowl. Yeah. Or Azrael during the, the Nightfall run. Like, other people have donned the cape. And, which is, we're going we're gonna to tease something we're going to talk about a little bit later, because sometimes it's okay to pass down the shield, and other people can take up, you know, sometimes with certain characters, like the character's strong enough that you can have different people that, you know, wear the mask per se. So, um, I'm excited. I, I really am. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to how it plays out. I really just, I was talking with Mary Beth the other day and I was like, you know, it's kind of funny if you think about it. Like, so here's DC and Warner Brothers that have been struggling to get Superman and Batman off the ground, which makes no sense to me. These are the most famous, most well-known characters known to man and have been around for 80 plus years. It makes no sense that they're struggling with them, yet their box office hits are Shazam, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, like all these characters that 10, 15 years ago no one cared about. And Mary Beth, not a comic person, brought up a very valid point. She's like, well, maybe we feel like we've heard Batman and Superman's stories and we want someone else's. I was like, that's a good point. Well, that's what you just said. I think the problem is is that people know too much about Batman and Superman. Whether it's uneducated stuff or not, or right. fair. That's true. That mythos is deep. Yeah. So and like, it's like, do you know it from Adam West TV show? Do you know it from Tim Burton movies? Do you know it from the actual comics? Did you read the comics in the 70s, but you haven't read it since then? Like, there's a lot. And I think when you go see Wonder Woman or Shazam or Guardians of the Galaxy, you're right. You're just like, hey, take me for a ride. I don't right. know anything. Yep. I'm and you're able Queen's to Lake. kind of enjoy it. I think people are able to. Whereas, yeah. like, you know, I, I do it with... I'm a lot more comic booky than you are too than the average person. So I, I pick nits. Well, Brad's getting there. Brad does it with Star Wars. He read Hush. Yeah, well, he's mean, getting there. Yeah. And there were some other Batman comic books Steve let me read. It's a foot in the door. Did he read Black Mirror? No, but he read Court Owls. Oh, did you like Court Owls? Those are reading. What? It so was, wasn't the story, it was the drawing. Okay, fair enough. I just See, I, I, passed the art. I completely understand what you're talking about. I like Capallo's artistic style. However, there's been other pen holders that I'm just like, I don't like how you draw this. And it, it takes me out of it a little bit. Whereas, like, Jim Lee, love. I mean, just it's beautiful on the page, and it looks like how I think it should look. And, like, so I, I completely understand that. And I think everybody has different artistic tastes, and whoever's illustrating those books makes a big difference what, how deep you get into those stories. 
I completely understand that. Batman's greatest strength is probably his intelligence. Yes. And the idea that somebody said, hey, you know what? What if right. we, the villain's smarter than Batman? What if we pulled one over on you? Oh, and then that was the best part of Corral. It was great. Everything about it was great. Because it's like, hey, you know this thing that you thought you knew about for the last 80 years? There was something else underneath it that you didn't know was there. Yeah. That was great. It's like they went back to 1939. It was awesome. So good. Um, all right. So we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. I would have had you guys on a long time ago for our super special, fantastic crossover episode. But I was having a hard time kind of like, we got to bring it, like, there has to be something kind of quote-unquote fitness related. You know, just to, just to satisfy the folks at home. So we're going to play a game. I like it. We're going to play Two Truths and a Lie. I have three different scenarios. Within each scenario, I'm going to tell you one thing that is true and two things that are BS. And you got to pick out the true one. And you each get to play independently. So you don't have to have a joint answer. So I'm going to give you three things. One of those things is true, and you got to pick out the true one. I like it. Cool? All right. Are we in? We're in. 100%. Number one. So we got three rounds. Okay. Three rounds. So six questions total to eight. Six. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. All right. round one. Do you want the truth first or the lie first? I thought we had it. That was a joke. I like yeah, it. Yeah, you got it? Yep. I thought <laughs> you wanted us to guess it. I'll tell you what. I'll give you the truth first. Squats should never go below 90 degrees. Statement number one. Squats should never go below 90 degrees. Statement number one. Statement number two. Intensity and difficulty slash challenge are not the same thing. Statement number three. Abdominals are broken down into lower, middle, and upper regions. So one of those is true. One of those is true. The other two are horse, horse hockey. <clears throat> Number two. Number uh, two, the second one I said, intensity and difficulty slash challenge are not the same thing. Right. I'm answer. Okay. Bradley. Number two. Number two. Steve? I'm locking in number two. Number two. You're both correct. Yes. You are one for one. Uh, so... There's no such thing as lower abs. <laughs> lower like abs don't exist. Your rectus abdominis are two tracks. They start here. They finish down at the pubic bone. They're, they're here. They got the striations. It's one freaking muscle. There's no upper abs. There's no lower abs. There's no middle abs. You cannot target upper, lower, middle. Ooh, you, it's all one thing. You just kind of let something go there, didn't you? Oh, my gosh. It drives me insane. <laughs> Did you feel that? Every <laughs> time I see something on lower abs, I want to throw something. I'm like... Could you show me anatomically where these lower abs live, please? Could you point the insertion and origin and the attachments of these things? Um, squats never below 90s is one of those things that came from big weight training, powerlifting, bodybuilding world. So there are times that going below 90, the risk versus reward is not there. However, should you be able to squat below 90 from a mobility standpoint? 100%. If I, am I going to squat below 90 if I got 300 pounds on my back? Probably not. So this one for me is a good, like, in fitness, we like rules. We like things to be very clean, okay? If A, do B. If B, do C. Well, sometimes it depends on the situation. It depends on are we loading that thing? Are we not loading that thing? Who's the person? What are we doing? All this fun stuff. So to just say, like, your squat should never go below 90, is, is, you're missing a lot of stuff. My, that brings up my favorite thing about you. 
for, and I know your listeners probably know this, which is why they're your listeners and fans of you, but um, as a person that's worked out with numerous people and just different, not even Alpina, but you know, or outside yeah. of Alpina, um, your ability to say, hey, just, you know, like, what are you able to do? And is that exercise really what you should be doing? Because it's not the right thing to do. I mean, I mean, as you know, I mean, you know this, and Brian knows this, my ankle mobility is terrible. I think mean, it's just absolutely the worst thing on the planet. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. But you certainly aren't going to have me something to do, do something that's going to, like, punish that area that's already right. in damage right. and in mode anyway. No, so. I, I, I think you're right. It's like we could... If we look at things, you know where the hard part about that is, and I think where some people go off the rails and go wrong, is that in order to look at things the way that you're talking about it, and to really, like, you have to be able to walk into the situation with your ego in check. Because you have to be able to say, like, hey, I got this thing going on, and you're still a good person, just so we're clear. Just like someone who has immobile ankles, it doesn't make you a terrible person. It just means that your ankles are a little bit sticky, and that's okay. <laughs> but sometimes, like, it's just, it can be too much of a blow to people's ego sometimes. Just to admit that, like, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm not 100%. That thing's not working well. So often we just like to pretend that it's okay and just drive through. So it, it's tough because it's in order to, to do what you're saying, like, you got to take some ownership of it. And that can be hard. And it's, you know, it, it's harder for all of us as we get a little bit older. Well, what's really hard is you should not talk to past episodes with Ben. This has just really come around the past three or four years. Prior to this, you know, back when you were in college, it wasn't mm -mm. this. They weren't saying, it was, come on, Stutzman, throw another 50 pounds on there, push through it. You know, I'll never like, forget, dude. When I was in, I was training for, I was at Western. I was working out with the football team. We were in the weight room. I'm way undersized. I'm way underskilled. Like, I walked onto a Division One team just because I wanted to see if I could. And I was, you know, glorified tackling dummy on the third string practice squad. But, um... We were in the weight room, and I can't remember what they were having us doing. It was some sort of like glute ham extension, something, but it was after all these other things. My lower back was screaming. Like I was doing something wrong, and it was excessively fatigued, and I was doing something wrong, and it was so tight, and it was so locked up, and I mean, it was just, it was painful. Like sharp shooting, like stop doing what you're doing, pain. And I said to the strength and conditioning coach, I'm like, I think I pulled something in my back. He's like, oh, you just pulled out your tampon. Keep going. Like, that is what he said to me. I'll never forget that. And I was like, okay. And I kept going. And then I was down for days after because I jacked something up significantly. But you're right. Like, that was like the mindset. It was like, so looking back, like knowing what I know now and as an adult, like my body was trying to tell me something. It's like, you're being a jackass. Stop it. And, you know, the instruction I was given by the head person in the environment was, yeah, you're fine. Suck it up. Keep going. So now, mind you, it's football. Like you have to be able to play here. But from an athletic standpoint, like, do we really want to hurt people in the weight room when we know that there's a high chance that they could be hurt on the field? Like that doesn't make sense, <laughs> right? Like it's a contact sport. Like yeah. anything could happen out in the field. You want to increase risk of injury by being a jackass in the weight room. So, um, you got it right. So intensity and difficulty, not the same thing. The best example I like to give for this: uh, marathon running. Difficult activity, true or false? 100% difficult. Super, super difficult. Extremely low intensity. Anything that you can do for two, three, or four hours is low intensity. High intensity. So high, the highest intensity activity can only be performed for five to 10 seconds. That's it. Like that's just how the body's built, the energy systems, the muscle fibers we use. So if you're talking super, 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 super high intensity, five to 10 seconds. 
the longer that duration goes, the lower the intensity goes, but it doesn't mean it's easy. It just means it's not high intense. So I think a lot of times we confuse challenge and intensity as the same thing, and they're very different things. And you can have challenging activity that's very low intense, but if we're talking high intensity, it's all like another thing that gets me is like, oh, we're going to do 60 minutes of, of high intensity, but like, nope. Because <laughs> if it was high intensity, you couldn't do it for 60 minutes. So, um, all right, round two. You guys are one for one. Let's see here. All right, statement number one. Your abdominals do not flex your spine in a standing position. So flexing the spine is that crunching motion, that forward position. So your abdominals do not flex your spine in a standing position. Number two, deadlifts can be bad for your back. Number three, your knees should never go over your toes in a lunge. Steve, you go first. Number one, I'm locking it in. No, so the first one I said, abdominals do not flex the spine in a standing position. Same answer. You're correct. <laughs> there was a lot of silence there. We were thinking. <clears throat> uh, so knees going over toes in a lunge goes back to the squat 90 degree. Like we like to have rules and rules don't always apply. If you're doing a split squat where you're just moving straight up and down, yes, your knee should not travel over your toe because if you look at the lines of force, we need to stay vertical. However, if you're doing a forward lunge or if you're cutting and planting on a soccer field or a football field, your knee has to go over your toe because now you need directional force. So if you need to go forward, you need to push down and backwards. To push down and backwards, you need to have a positive tibial angle to get that, that means that the knee has to go over the toe. The big thing is, do you have the ankle mobility to allow that to happen? If you don't have the ankle mobility, then no, we shouldn't do that. We should work on the ankle, but as long as you got the mobility, in the certain circumstances, by all means, knee can go over the toe. He's talking about me. I'm just talking in general. Um, deadlifts are bad for your back if you're doing them wrong. <laughs> so if we're not loading the hips and if we're moving the spine too much, 100%. They are horrible for your back. But a deadlift by itself, when done properly, where the core is stabilized and the hips are the primary mover, are spectacular. And they're wonderful and we do them every day because they're so, 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 so valuable for any lower body movement. You could make a strong argument that any lower body movement you can do, a squat, running, single leg stance, lunging, all corners on a good deadlift or a good hinge pattern. Can you actively flex and extend the hips with the brace spine? And the one you guys got right. It's a tricky one, isn't it? That, yes. So the deadlift one, I could, you know, but I was like- There's some gray area. Think about what he's asking you. Right. So, so the big one with the spine or with the, um, the abs. So a lot of times when people are training their abs, I'm doing quotation fingers, we lay on the ground and we do crunches, which is flexing the spine, yes? In a standing position, if you flex the spine, so bend forward, you will not feel your abdominals activate because your body's smart. It doesn't need to flex your abs to pull you forward. If you lean forward a little bit, gravity will pull you forward on its own. So what actually happens is the muscles in your back, your erector spinae and the posterior lower muscles, they tighten up to slowly lower you, which is much more energy efficient than the abdominals pulling you towards the ground. So your body's like, we don't need to contract those muscles to get forward. We'll let gravity pull us forward and we'll use these muscles to kind of control the fall. 
which is the reason I hate crunches. Um, so it's one of those things that, you know, we, we need to look at the, if we're, if we're being functional, we need to look at the body in standing postures because that's how human beings thrive. And these are the positions that are truly functional. And sometimes when we just look at muscles and what they do and don't focus on the rest of the picture, and if we take the body out of a standing position, we could actually be breeding dysfunction by doing things like crunches that put us on the ground in there. Now, someone could make an argument that there are certain aspects or certain times that crunches can be valuable, and I, I'd subscribe to that. There's, there's times, but I think for a lot of people and a lot of the stuff that we see, there's other ways to get there. I mean, you're the professional. <laughs> I'd, I'd I thought it would be good to shed some light to these I, so people are like, wait a minute, wait, you well, said something. I, I think, I mean... I think anytime you see people with their hands locked behind their neck, uh, yanking their neck forward and trying to, I, that, I mean, I'm not a fitness professional like you, but but that doesn't seem you like are it. a human being. Yeah, and human beings have. I was watching a TED talk some time ago, and they were talking about the curious case of Benjamin Button, and doing the special effects for that movie were so difficult because one of the hardest things to fake is a human face, because every human being is an expert on human beings' faces because we've been studying them our entire lives. So if you look at something like you and you and me and everybody out there, we're all somewhat experts on human movement because we've been moving and watching people move our whole life. When you look at something and it doesn't look right, it's probably not. You don't have to be able to verbalize or articulate, but when you look at something like, hmm, that just doesn't feel right, it's probably not. Like you'd be surprised at how intuitive watching other human beings move can be. And there are predatory parts of our brain that pick out people who don't move well because those are the weak ones. Those are the ones that you want to be in front of when you're running away or have behind you. Well, that's the joke. Like if you get attacked by a bear, you're in the zombie apocalypse and someone's like, well, blah, blah, blah. You're trying to be the fastest guy. You're like, nope, just have to be faster than you. Yeah. (laughs) I just got to be not the second slowest and I'm okay. As long as I'm not the slowest, that's when you're in trouble. All right, next one. Let's see here. Statement number one, women should lift lighter weights in order to not get bulky. Statement number one. Statement number two, in a natural running stride or gait, your heel should contact the ground first. Number two. Number three, your body does not know the difference between a regular quote and a tricep quote push-up. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm ready. Number three. Number three. We were we were saying number three before you even got to number three. <laughs> That's good. Because did it give it away? Do I have a tell? No. <laughs> no, no. I knew number two right away. Was yeah. Right. Number. We're runners, right? Right. So right. Number, we knew number two was like yeah. As for number one, yeah. That's just stupid. <laughs> You know what? It's so funny because whenever someone says that to me or whenever I've heard it and trying not to be a smarky smartass because this is completely how it comes across, I'm like, listen, if you figure out how to get big by accident, can you come let me know? <laughs> because like there was a period of life where I was doing the competitions, like every waking moment went into trying to get bigger, eating, sleeping, training, everything. So like if you can figure out how to do that on accident, please let me know. So like this idea that I'm just going to like pick up a couple weights and like balloon up. And I mean, at the end of the day, like lifting heavy things 
helps to improve bone density, skeletal structure. There's great adaptations for the nervous system. Like picking up heavy things is good for all people of all ages, as long as we're maintaining good mechanics. Women generally don't have the testosterone profile that men do that allows men to get as big as men can potentially get. So like, can women get big? Yes. Are there women that have higher levels of testosterone naturally that can get big? Yes. But generally speaking as a whole, you can train and you're not going to balloon up. You just, you don't have, you don't have the same hormone profile and it's important to pick up heavy things. Um, you guys picked up the running right away. Heel strike, bad. Bad. You're putting on the brakes. You're putting on the brakes. That's such a good way to say it. And you have this natural, beautiful cushion built into your foot that absorbs shock and helps distribute it. When you heel strike, that's gone. So now the body's natural shock absorption system has just been rendered non-existent. So That's why running downhill is so bad for you. Because there's a good chance. You got it. You got it. And so, yes, uh, your body does not know the difference between regular and tricep push-ups. All it knows is a push. It's not going to turn on certain muscles and turn off certain muscles. It's just going to use the shoulder. And if it can create as much tension as possible around the shoulder, that is what's going to help improve that particular pattern. So, yeah. I think, you know, the whole, like, tricep push-up, regular push-up thing comes back to, like, what we talked about with, like, the, the regions of the abdominals. We like to think that you can target certain areas and I can focus on this thing and the body's just too smart for that. It's not a collection of pieces. It's a, it's a beautifully orchestrated machine that knows how to work together and how to coexist with each other. And each piece is towards something bigger and greater. So it, it doesn't know how to separate these things and work in a vacuum. But for some reason, that's how we like to train it. You guys are three for three. Are you looking for a new career? Definitely not. <laughs> but I love your studio slash gym slash workout. Just studio. Studio. To wrap this bad boy up, and it's going to take a minute, so we've got a second here. Uh, in the spirit of hot take from the kitchen, I want to finish with the top five. And we've been talking about doing this for a minute, and I think this is one of the big reasons that we kind of got together. So every episode you guys do, you finish with the top five. And our top five is going to be top five moments of Avengers Endgame, which I've just been looking forward to for so long. I also need to start this section by asking Steve a question. I'm ready. Do you not have a soul? (laughs) Because last we talked, you're like, I don't know how I felt about it. And when I got out of the theater, I was like, what is wrong with him? (laughs) I stand by it. Um... And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> it they gave you what you want. Okay, so we can finally have this conversation now, yes. right? Because you both have seen it. Yes. We kind of help First, what that. did you think? I thought it was all right, but my number one will tell you how I really felt. Okay, okay, okay. We're going to push pause on that. It just took a... I felt, you know, it's like... like bubble gum, you know? Like, it just kept giving you what you wanted. I don't... It's the comic book snobbing me, right? You know, I wanted a little more true to the comic book story than they were giving. But I get it. Fair. I mean, I understand. No, fair, fair. Um, so, real quick, if you have not seen Avengers Endgame, go see it, then come back and listen to this, because this is going to be ripe for spoilers. Yeah. Just fair warning, throwing that out there. So, if you haven't seen it yet, if, if you don't care about getting the movie spoiled, keep listening. 
But if you don't want it to get spoiled, then I, I would pause now because yeah. we're going to talk about things that happened in it that you would if it, it were great to see not knowing in the theater. So, so I'll tell you, there was a moment in this movie where I was like, Marvel's like Marvel's catering to me. And yeah, what I mean, it is the pure comic. Book oh, person. it was three so, hours of fan service. Yeah. So. And which is what comic book fans are, right? They're fans, so you want to give them answers. So Sparks starts floating in space. We think it's all over. He's going to die, which we knew he wasn't. But we're like, oh, no, how is he going to get over this? And there's this big gold glow. And I was like, I just, and for one minute, I crossed my fingers. And it was jam-packed. I was there opening night, you know, and I was like, please, please, please. And I was just mumbling under my breath. And, of course, it was the Captain Marvel yeah, part. Yeah. Okay, and I was like, all right, I get it. And then I went back to, like, okay, you're going to keep doing what you're doing. Who'd you but want it to be? Adam Warlock, end of Guardians of the Galaxy yes! 2. So, so they teased that, and he was a huge part of Infinity Gauntlet. This is my problem. Right? Now, now here's, here's my thing, right? And I'm completely speculating, and I'm just being that guy right now. The reason, I'm trying to think. I'm not saying that your opinion's not valid, but we have no idea what they have planned next. I, I and they have proven that they're silly good at playing the long game. Yeah. So I think sometimes, like, some of the criticism of the film or some of the things that people said, I'm like, you know what? I don't know if that's a fair assessment because we don't know where they're going. Yeah. And we might look back after four or five more movies and go, uh, Okay, you guys knew where you were going the whole time. Yeah. And you were setting up this and you were doing this. So I think like we know that Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to continue. It might be too early in some aspects. But yes, I know what you're saying. That is something that they teased. That is a big thing. I know it got a lot of comic book fans like really fired up and it really never came to fruition. Yeah. Because Warlock is the one that puts the gauntlet on and undoes everything and brings right. everyone back. Right. So like I don't understand. And it's one of the iconic moments of the whole of that yep. whole book. Yeah. So my whole problem was is I don't see how you could take these iconic moments and just say, hey, you know what? I mean, I get it because they're doing it, but you're just kind of like, hey, you know, that's really cool. But maybe Batman, maybe his family shouldn't die, I, or maybe his parents should get killed. Like, I mean, just type of like. To, so to play devil's advocate. Yeah. Um, and and for me, and I completely understand what you're talking about. And also, full disclosure, like growing up and even recently, like. I read Batman religiously. I don't read as much Marvel. And even when I was a kid, most of the Marvel I read was Spider-Man. So, like, a lot of these stories, like, I didn't read Civil War. I read for the first time two years ago. You know, so, like, I don't have, like, the longstanding connection to some of these stories and these characters that I do with other ones. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, God, I got off a tangent. I forgot my train of thought. What were we talking about before that? We were just talking about how there's certain things that happen in the comics that, to me... Oh, yeah, so that's right. So... I've, I've been able to go into like these movie experiences going, you know what, this is not the comics. This is a different thing. This is its own thing. And I can't judge this thing based on this thing. The other thing that I give them some wiggle room with is when they started this whole thing, they couldn't play with all the characters. You know, and you think about like, how big were the Fantastic Four and the Punisher in Civil War? Yeah. They can't use them. So they can't use them on the screen because of the Netflix shows and that whole world and the weird stuff going on there and they hadn't quite gathered that over and there's a different thing happening there. How did they screw up the Punisher on Netflix, by the way? You know, I haven't seen the second season yet. Was it not that? amazing. Oh. I don't know why they would ever cancel it. Have you seen the second season? Oh, I know why they're canceling it. 
tell me. Oh, dude. So Disney is launching their own streaming service. Oh, okay. So they may, they might reboot it. They're pulling all yeah. this stuff off everywhere else. They're canceling them. They're not renewing contracts so that when the thing launches, all of it's going to be there. Okay. So like right now you can watch all the DCCW shows on Netflix. Mm-hmm. DC has their own streaming service. I give it a year or two before you start seeing them canceled off there. Yeah. And they're going to show up on the DC. I hope you're right because... The season two of Punisher gave me everything I wanted. I mean, I I, I was just like, oh, yes, just but give it to me. on the same, I agree with you wholeheartedly. But on the same token, it's really like the success in these movies have been that there is a shared universe, but yet there's these small pockets of unshared universes. So we have the MCU, but then we have the Netflix universe that doesn't connect marginally. They talk about the incident. So, yeah. like, we know that the attack on New York happened, but they don't, like, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. And then you have the X-Men over here at 20th Century Fox that we know are, like, part of this world, but they're not connected. And then Spider-Man's at Sony, and now he's starting to play in a little bit, but it's like, so we still have all these different ponds we're playing in. Like, imagine a world, especially being able to see what they've done with the theaters, where they have all these things at their disposal. So, like, yes, is there... Am I going to miss seeing the dark grittiness of Daredevil and Punisher on Netflix? 100%. Because I think that's awesome and I love that they're doing that. But is it a fair trade-off to lose that, to have Daredevil and Punisher in this bigger world? Yeah. I'm in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think like what's happening is with their massive success, they, they're, they're able to start consolidating all these things. And I think over the next few years, we're going to see more and more of these things go towards places where they can play with all their toys. And now with them owning 20th Century Fox and owning the Fantastic Four, owning the X-Men, these are huge characters that are now going to potentially be coming into the MCU. So I think like this, as great as this thing has been, um, you know, before we get into the top five, like I don't even know how I felt when I left the theater from Endgame. And the best way I can put it is like finishing a good book, but being depressed because it's over. And that's kind of how I felt. Like, this was amazing, but this has been this 10-year ride and this culmination of all this lead-up and all this build-up. And as satisfying as it was, it was like finishing a good book and being like, well, shit, now what am I going to read? You know? Like, it, it, it felt like that. But I honestly, like, with all these things in place, and I'm just speculating, I think there's a lot of reason to potentially be excited for the future. All right, so here we go. Top Five moments in Avengers Endgame. Let's start with Brad. Number five. My number five was Thor decapitated through Thanos. Oh, in the beginning? Yes. Didn't see that coming. No, I didn't either. It was kind of badass. I hadn't read the comics, and but it was. Is is this the time to talk about Fat Thor? Yeah. Uh, Thoughts? No. No? A little later. Okay. Okay. That's why I asked. <laughs> Steve. I'm sorry, say what you're doing. I meant daughter texting me. I'm sorry, I got it. Oh, no, I was asking what if was it was. Or decapitated funerals. Yeah, so, like, do you have anything related with that? Well, uh, yeah, Thor. I want to talk more about Thor, but it's going to come up, apparently. So oh, well, no, gonna... not that. So, like, I thought that was kind of crazy, right? That just kind of, like, whoa. I, like, Thor's whole arc in the movie was. Yeah. Unexpected, yeah, in a great way, and I, I just love they should have gone for the head. I mean, that whole thing, like, still kind of played, like, yeah, I mean, I that's forgot a, about that. Yeah. That was, yes, that was a callback. So, See, like, look, yeah, so, like, I, I, that's a great if I would have had an honorable mention, that would have been one of my honorable mentions. Yeah. 
Um, I'll tell you what, before you go, so my, my big honorable mention, just because it was such a moment of nostalgia, and I was just like, good for you. When they were doing the time heist, and they managed, when they were back in New York during the first Avengers movie, and they showed the shot, that famous shot from the first one of all six of them in the circle. So that's so cool that they able to play that in here, but in a really cool way and kind of pay homage to like the first Avengers movie. I just thought that was sweet. That's my honorable mention. As a, and my other one is as a, a kid with an estranged father, Tony going to see his dad. Like, that was heartwarming. It was because like this whole time we've always thought like Howard Stark's kind of an ass. Yeah. And that he was tough on him and he was like not a great dad and he wasn't super caring and like we had always had this preconceived notion of their relationship and then to come to find out like nope he was just doing the absolute best he could which is as any of us with parents like we're just doing the best we can. And really I mean. That's what Tony's trying to do too, kind right. of just make his way. And right. I'm just trying to do the best I can. Right. And then the my final to honorable mention. I hope I'm not taking anyone's. You didn't have it. <laughs> uh, my problem is I don't have one. I have a lot of different things I liked about the movie, despite my all my nitpicking or picking nits or whatever. Call, I mean the movie was good. Yeah. And my only other thing was Pepper Potts in, it, in an Iron Man suit. Did you have anything? Else? Like that was no. yes. so when she came in as rescue. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you know, so for whatever reason, there was people that you remember the scene that had all the female characters mm-hmm. that was really cool. Like, I did like it. I know why. I think well, they call it fan service. They were just saying they were pandering to the women by giving them a group shot of all the women. So, well, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's one, a problem. So, why? And then it's called what X two or X Force two or some of that where it's all women. There's a whole comic series of. Like, She-Hulk... Uh, I guess I'm just saying, as someone who has a daughter, and you can sympathize, like, to have a shot in a movie where it's all these incredibly powerful, like, super badass women, got no problem with that. Especially like, your age. I mean, like, when they're young and they're younger. Yeah, I, mean, I just, like, I don't understand, like, why is this a problem? Like, why is that not just a cool thing? Like, it was just cool. I dug it. Um, I could go on, but I'll just go. Number five for me, Captain America and Molier. So it's a cat. It's the cat wheels the hammer. I lost my shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's, my number, that's my number five moment. Not right. only did I lose it because it was just so unbelievably cool, but I'm like, you you set this up back in Ultra. Yes. Like, so talk what, about playing the long game. Yeah. So what is it? What was it? And, and, and so my favorite part about this is it wasn't so much just cat running around with the, with the hammer. My whole was thing was like, was cat just playing in Ultron? Or did, or or did he earn it and become worthy? He earned it. Yeah. Like that's I think like Cap's always been worthy, right? He's always been Cap, but he's still like. So this isn't one of my ones, but just the thing I love so much about the movie is like if you really break down the entire MCU, arguably the two biggest characters that we have followed the most, and honorable mention will be Thor, right? But Iron Man and Cap have dominated the the major stories, the major plot points. They've all they've each had three of their own movies. I would dare you, how's your list? My list is dominated by a character. hundred percent. Mine too. Okay. Mine's yeah. dominated so, by to, Cap. To, to, yep. to give you an example of to further oh, great. Yeah. And if you so. really look at like all of these movies over the course of ten years, we've seen this tremendous character arc for Cap and for Tony. And the thing that I found Am I giving one away? No, we're good. Um, no, I, yeah, I'll get to that. So, 
Um, but yeah, so like this movie was finishing off those character arcs and putting them to bed in the most satisfying way possible. And I, I loved it. Like, so anyway, to, to your question, I think like we've seen growth from Cap. We've seen growth from Tony. Like they're not the same people that they were when they started this whole thing. And that's why I think he could wield the hammer now. Like he, he was, he was always pure of heart, but there was something else that he needed that he found at some point along there. And that's why it happened. But yeah, so when that happened, I was like, you guys like have been playing this game for a long time. This manner has improved. That was the most excited, followed by the most disappointed I've been in a long time. So I can share with you guys what just happened to me now. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my daughter posted the suicide thing on Facebook just now. And I texted her, you're all right. Everything all right? She's like, I'm fine, Dad. Why? Well, I just saw that. And I'd rather be crazy over protective dad than not caring at all. She's like, I was just doing that for a case that anybody else wanted. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I went... <laughs> Like, I just, you needed to know, like, when, when shit like that. You, you can't happens, do stuff like that. Like, you know, like, everything stops. So, like, she's like, okay, I'm, no, I'm fine. I'm like, all right, so, <laughs> or you know, had a screw like that. Yeah, I know, that's all right. So, yeah, no, during a pod, like, a real oh, life pod. Yeah. Anyway, so, number four. Oh, sorry, no, uh, no, number five. See, I've been talking a lot, but I haven't actually gotten into my list. <laughs> no, I think it, number five is I Am Iron Man. It's on my list. So, yeah. I get, to, like, full circle. Well, let's do this. I'll make it my number four just because I really don't have a, a thing. So let's talk about it, right? Yeah. whole bunch of things that are to unpack. Well, just like, so you really, can... you could argue that the whole MCU kicked off at the end of Iron Man where he says, I'm Iron Man. Yeah. At the press conference. You can, I, I hate, because I, I listen to your pod, I feel like we're your listeners like, what is this pod? But you literally can do a whole podcast just on him saying that. Yes. I mean, um, is that in yours at all? I am Iron Man. No. But my number four is Iron Man sacrificing himself. Okay. Well, kind of the same thing, yeah. So that's good. We can, yeah. I mean, in the way he like kind of looks at it, you know, he's kind of, he, I think. Did you I, know he was going to say it? Because they completely took me by surprise. No. I, I didn't, I didn't, like when he said I am, like I, when he said it, I'm like, how did I not see that coming? Yeah. But like, that's why these movies are so good. It's like. Well, that's one of his ad-lib lines, my understanding was. Is that was kind of him being him, like in some of the stuff he okay. kind of awesomely does. You know? Okay. Because that was a, uh, what do they call it, when the movie's already shot and then they go back in and they shoot it oh, again. Oh, and they're doing reshoots or, or like ADR. Yeah, that's what that was. Okay. So okay. that scene was a afterwards, you know, second shot or whatever after the main production okay. was done. I just, I, yeah, again, it was just like bringing everything full circle. Like that was the thing that kind of started this whole thing with that first movie yeah. back in 2008. And like, here we are at the end and yeah. Cause Tony's great. not just smart, but he's clever. Right. right. It's kind of like, you know, like, Quippy. Of, course, of course you stole the gems off Thanos' gauntlet and you got, and you, of course, of course you already have a gauntlet of your own already for this exact moment. You know what I mean? Like, can I piggyback off? So, okay. Brad's number four is Iron Man sacrificing himself. My number four is Old Cap. What's your number four? Oh, you, you, you're I'm just going to use okay. I'm gonna, I, I, I Am Iron Man is on my list. So, and I think like both of ours are in the same thread, if you will. And so when we're talking about like completing these arcs, one of the things that I just thought was so cool. So when we meet 
Tony Stark and when we meet Steve Rogers early, early, early on. Steve Rogers will sacrifice himself for anybody at any time for any reason, never thinking of himself, which is arguably one of his downfalls. Right? Right. He puts everybody in front of himself. Tony's the opposite. Tony puts himself in front of everybody. So here we come to the end of this movie, and Tony is the one who sacrifices himself for the greater good, and Cap is the one who selfishly gets a life. It was perfect. It was, it was just great. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and my favorite thing is, is they even left it open where if they wanted to bring Captain America oh. and Iron Man back, we've already established time travel. Listen, so people, like, time travel is on the table. Yeah. We can do or undo or yeah. redo or revisit yeah, anything like, we want to do. We already know that Captain's dancing with his girlfriend, and if at any point, you know, um, we're going we're gonna to set as a Hawkeye now or who picked up the oh, Falcon. No, Falcon. Falcon picks up... Uh, if he ever, he ever has to go back to get Captain America, oh, lo and behold, look where we're at. Oh, right. oh my gosh. Right. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just loved it. He went back and he, he got to live the life that he missed out on because he was just always too busy laying himself down for everybody else. And I thought that was great. And I loved how, like, we come full circle. And now, ironically, Tony Stark has more to lose than he's ever had to lose. And he makes the play to sacrifice himself, which he never would have done before. Even with without the wife, without the kid, still, he was just always in it for him. That was the big thing through the whole movie was Tony Stark saying, I don't want to ruin my life. Right. Because I actually almost cried at that moment. Oh, well, dude. Yeah, because... I cried I, so many times. I haven't seen all the movies, so I'm lost here and there but I got to see it in Cleveland I was on a work trip and I got to see it in IMAX and cool recliner chairs and it was packed and this was like week number two or week number three of it being week number two second weekend so it was still jam-packed and assigned seats in the whole nine yards and here I am sitting next to two complete strangers just bawling my eyes out for the entire third act like and that's the best part is <laughs> the best part they did of that movie was building up maybe to a long I mean, because it was long. I didn't think so. I thought it, the pacing was great. I, I, At no point was I like, okay, let's move along. I think your problem was you didn't watch it in the Alpena Theater. Oh, that's 100%. I think we picked the same seat. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I was in the last row on the right, the last full row against the wall. Uh, yeah. And that Not seat good. was broken. Yeah. Like, yeah. So... They did my, a great my job. Chair <laughs> my chair reclined. So did mine. I had, a, I had a beer, too. Uh, they did of showing what Tony doesn't want to lose. You know, his daughter, his wife. You know, like, yeah, this stinks that everyone, half the people died, a lot of people care about. But it's not my problem, because I got this. Yeah, because, yeah. And, and then, yeah. And it, it almost, and the other way was, and his other side was almost like he compartmentalized the whole thing, like, I tried stopping all this. I tried telling you all this is going to happen. None of you wanted to listen. Not my problem. Not my problem. I'm over here, and I've put it to bed. I've moved right. on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was it was such a great way to, to bring both of those arcs and, like, flip. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. And, again, didn't see it coming. Should have seen it coming, but didn't. Um, number three. All right. Number three, we can now talk about Fat Thor because okay. number three was seeing Thor's beard gut. Okay. I'm, that made me happy for some reason. You know what? Yeah. Um, yeah. I I was listening to Kevin Smith 
and they were talking about this and you know he's been a heavy guy his whole life and he's, he's lost a lot of weight recently to heart attack and whatnot but um he's like you know what to look up there and see a guy who looked more like me pretty damn cool and I think the message there, like, especially at the end when he like, so when he got a thunders out, he's still fat. And I love this underlying tone, like heroes come in all shapes and sizes. You know, we get it stuck in our head. Like you got to be jacked and you got to have the six pack or you got to have, you know, huge boobs or whatnot. Like, cause a lot of times that's how these characters are portrayed, but doesn't matter. Heroes come in all shapes and sizes. And, you know, there was that whole great undertone of, like, dealing with, like, depression and PTSD. And, like, I think some of those things were prevalent in that whole arc of, of Thor. And it was it was really great. It's not at all what I expected. And every time I saw him, I was just kind of like, that's not Thor. Like, it took me aback a little bit. But... I think Thor was probably the best character of that whole... Like, I mean, Hawkeye got angry at what's going around killing people, yeah, which is what you would expect a hero to do. But that was still more one-dimensional. Yeah. Like, Thor's character like, was very multifaceted. Just, I don't want to talk about it. Yep, and, and complex. Yeah, like, right. I isolated myself, and then these two guys, they would picked up at Ragnarok or hanging out, and then they're just like, well... You well, know, and too, like, so with this whole thing with him, you get the moment with his mother. Which yes. I also didn't see coming, because you would have figured Odin, or it's like, no, he's already had the moment with Odin, like... Let's tie this thing off. It was just great. And I like that she acknowledged, like, this isn't real. This like, isn't you. We know. Yep. I don't know what's going on here. I know it's you, but there's something else. And, right. You know, and, uh, and I like how he was like, well, no, I'm going to save you, Mom. And she's like, no, what's going to happen is going to happen. But it was, it was great. I mean, for, like, I think a lot of athletes could probably um, sympathize with this. You know, if you wrap your whole life up around, you know, being a warrior, being, a, being an athlete, being a winner – how do you handle it when things don't go well? Yeah. And it can be rough. Yeah. And yeah, it was just like this really, it's weird. It's almost like, you know, you're playing with this huge movie with all these moving parts and pieces. And you would think that the goal would be to keep it as simple as possible because you're trying to give equal time to all this stuff. Yet somehow they made it more complex and it, it worked. Like that was a storyline that didn't really need to be in there. But just added so much. It works so well. And I think what they were able to do is say, hey, you know what? We're going to lose a couple characters here. We're going to fit and we're going to kind of tighten or tie off some of these. Yep. So let's really give them their due justice. Because really, yes. how much was Black Panther in this movie? Right. But he's got a future. Exactly. I loved how this film was so focused on the original six. Yes. Because that's like, you know what, we've been following these guys, they started it, we're going to give them their due, we're going to wrap up these stories, you know, like, we're going to see more Doctor Strange, we're going to see more Black Panther, but these these guys had earned it, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that they gave them that level of focus. Speaking of original, I'll give you my number three then. Number three. Stan Lee cameo. Which is technically probably the last Stan Lee cameo. It was. I really liked it. The one in Captain Marvel really got me. Because I didn't expect to see him in that movie. I have not seen Captain Marvel. <gasps> so good. It was really good. So we... we, Yeah, it was great. And his cameo in there was... You're going to really appreciate it. Good. And it was clever, and it was cool, and it was... Yeah, we'll talk about that at a later date. But awesome. it was... Um, so for me, I loved that he was in there, and I loved he had a cameo... Um, the bar had been set really high, like his, the cameo that he did in, in Captain Marvel, like really got me. 
Um, so this one was cool. It was really cool. But like, bless you. The uh, the other one was like super deep, and I was like, that's really awesome. So yeah, yeah. You have to watch that. You'll you'll dig it. Cool beans, and that's I mean like. It's awesome that they were still able to have that Stanley cameo yep. in it. I mean, yep. it's, maybe it was just a little bit. He's passed away. Yeah. He's the one that kind of originated the whole comic book universe. 100%. So it's a kind of nice tribute. And he's always had a cameo in all these yeah. 10 yeah. years. So, yeah. All right. Uh, my number three was Cap Wields Mjolnir. For all the reasons that we already discussed. That was just... And once again, like, you're sitting there... It's clear that I could never be a writer or a director because I, they fool me every time. And I'm like, I should have seen that coming. Like when you saw the hammer trembling, I'm like, oh, Thor's going to grab the hammer. And then it flies into his hand and I just went, Whoa! <laughs> didn't see it coming and it just lost it. So that was, gosh, that was cool. That was super cool. And my biggest thing with that was like, you set this up years ago. Yeah. Years ago, like I see what you did there, and I love you for it. And I mean, he's wielding lightning. <laughs> oh, he's so cool. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Which, and again, as a comic, like he's wielded Mjolnir in the comics. Yep. It's happened. There's a precedent for it. I knew that. So yeah, but they still got me because they're that good. That's what good writers do. That's why I'm not one. Right. Number two. And number two and number one are personal things. Number two is The Return of Groot and Black Panther. It's probably my two favorite characters from the nice. movies. And I just loved Groot after Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Baby yeah. Groot is probably my favorite character ever. Yeah. He's just so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sensitive guy. <laughs> Baby Groot just won me over. So. What do you think about Teenage Groot? I, I loved Angry Teenage Group. Angry Teenage Group is pretty be funny. Your Baby life. Group's adorable. This gonna be I know. Your life I know. We're getting there. Years. We're getting there. I can't wait. I, <laughs> I can't wait. Like, I, I'll be honest. If Brad knows this about me because he's been with me most of my, especially all my life with my kids, to have all these friends that are close in my age, like you, uh, Granada, um, and then uh, we have some younger friends like the Christians and Cooper, yeah. and Griffin, Matt Mashinsky, another one. They have all these young kids. Man, good luck. Just waiting. Just waiting. Just I am waiting. so happy to... I can't wait to just be like... Because, man, I, t- I tell you what... Oh, the, dude, the it's already coming. Yeah, the best phrase I've ever heard is little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. And let me tell you something. <laughs> that is the biggest... I mean, that is what I... I heard that when I first had my little kid. I come home like, oh, my kid was up all night. I didn't get any sleep. And that guy looked at me and he told me that. And he's like... My daughter's transmission just went out. I need to buy a car for her. You know, I'm like, okay, you okay, know. I'll yeah, take not yeah, sleeping. Yeah, just funny, like, yeah, you know. we're we're well on our way. Well, I'll keep you posted. Too, my daughter stopped talking to me at twelve, and then seventeen, she just woke up one day and said, "Hey, I'm going to start talking to dad again." So I mean, that was kind of an interesting. <laughs> Yay. There's a lot that went into that. Well, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, there was. I mean, I went through my separation with her mom, and uh, I, I'm certainly that had something to do with it. But, yeah. But some of it had nothing to do other than just she was a teenage girl. Right. And, I mean, right. Jeez. God oh, I can already see the writing on the wall to an extent, but. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a short period of time, and we're going to get through it. That's how I'm going to look yeah. at it. Oh, um, number two? Yeah. There? So, so, yeah, number two. Groom Black Panther. Groom Black Panther. Harley Keener. You with me? Nope. Mm. You're probably not with me. This was my thing. So Harley Keener was the kid 
Oh, at the funeral. funeral. Yes. Well, there we go. I had to look it up. I was like, yep. who is that kid? Yep. And then it's like, I normally recognize so did you people. See Iron Man 3? No. Okay. All right. Well, then you're definitely lost. Iron Man 3. Iron Man gets thrown into some other place. He needs to, he needs to rebuild a suit. This little nerdy kid who's got a bad dad and ends up helping Iron Man rebuild the suit. And then Iron Man goes off. And then um, later in that show, that episode of the movie ends with, we see that uh, Tony Stark redid his dad's garage. He's got all the latest technology. Well, in that movie, there's a kid. At, at the, Tony Stark's funeral. The funeral. And when they're, they're panning through everybody and you recognize everybody and then they get to this like Peter Parker age kid. You're like, that's not Tom Holland. They already showed him. Like, who is that? And like, yeah, I had to look it up. And I was like, and once again, when I, when I read it, I was like, well played. Yes. Well played. Because I, mean, I mean, the kid's like, you don't recognize him. He's way older than he was in the movie. You're not supposed to. Nope. Yeah, you're, it's one of those things where you're supposed to go, who is that? Who is Let's that? go to the credits. Let's look at... No. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't even recognize him by name, but yeah, yeah that was yeah. that was impressive. That was a good one after the fact. Um, I might choke up on the last two. I know I'm the last one. I uh, so when um, when Cap is fighting Thanos by himself, and Thanos is just giving it to him, and he takes half his shield off, and then he's like, he's just beat to shit, and he's all dirty, and he's all bloody, and everything else. And he gets up, and it looks like he's going to adjust or move or take off, and then he tightens down the shield. Yeah. Like, I'm not done. Yeah. And then, on your left, Cap. Oh, it's number one. Yeah. Number one is on your left. Because <laughs> well, that whole thing's together. That the whole, whole. Scene is, that whole scene. But just, together. like, he tightens down the shield. Like, that That by itself. Like, I could watch that two-second clip in, into perpetuity. Because yeah. it was just, like... They shot it beautifully. Like he at like his face, like everything about it was perfect. Because it was one of those moments. If you do it wrong, it's cheesy and cliche. Yeah. But it, they nailed it, and it was just so like it was so perfect, and it was just like you saw the grit, the determination. You saw everything you want to see, and like how he did it, and how they shot it, and how everything looked, and it was it was just amazing. It was just yeah, I loved it. So we know you're number one. Yeah. I'm making my number one, and then we'll let him go last because I feel like. After he gives his, it's, it's a great way to end kind of what we're doing here. Cool. If, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so mine is, um, as I've already said, I'm a big comic book fan. I, I knew Spider-Man died. And what caught me off guard was I didn't know I was going to cry when Spider-Man died in Affinity War. Yeah. Like, very self. Like, yep. that whole exchange between Holland and yep. um, RJD was, like, amazing. And then, of course, I got my favorite scene is when Spider-Man comes back. And yeah. he's like, yo, man. And he, he like, I like he's the one that actually recognized that he died. Yeah. Something happened. Yeah. Like, so then I go away. Yeah. And then yeah. Happened. And the next change, and he was just going on the whole thing. And then Tony Stark just grabs him and hugs him. And I was just like, okay. Like, That's great. Especially, like, you watch the whole Homecoming movie and, like, Tony didn't care about it. Like, it was just... I, I used you when I needed you, but now I just want you to go away. Yeah. And yeah, to see that, and like he was obviously super broken up by when he went away, and just that, gosh, that whole scene with like everybody coming back. I mean, you talk about fan service. I mean, that was everything I could have ever imagined and wanted, plus more. Yeah, on your left, Cap, super good. And again, didn't see it coming. Yeah. So like as they're going through this battle, the whole time, it's like it never dawned on me that they had resnapped. And Hawkeye's wife called, so everybody's back, so where are all the rest of the heroes? Never thought about it. I'm like, well, clearly it's going to be Iron Man and Thor and Cap, and they're just going to take him on solo, and 
we're going to do this. So when his thing starts crackling and you hear on your left, I was just like, <laughs> and then the circles start, it's just yeah. so great. Like, yeah. and I'd say Winter Soldier is one of my absolute favorite movies in the MCU. Yeah. It's just so good. So good. So it's like, I just, I loved all those little callbacks and they were like, they were so appropriately used. It wasn't cliche. It wasn't shoehorned. It was just perfect. And like, that's so hard to do. Because, like, we've all seen so many action movies and so many other things that you're just like, oh, my God, like, this again. Like, Here comes the montage. Yes. Yes. It's, it's so overdone. It's so easy to go the cliche route to, like, to make it work. Or even is, the elevator scene with Cap. It was great. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, we're Here we go. We're going to do the well, elevator fight scene again. All but in a totally different way. Yeah. No, nope. cool. you know what that was, and this is not my thing. Someone else said this, and I just I'm borrowing it. That was Harrison Ford shooting the dude with the sword in Raiders. Yeah, it's like you hear we we're thinking we're getting ready for the big battle, and he's just like, "Hail Hydra!" It was great. <laughs> so now that you and I have this great exchange, I'm ready. Are you going to be a Debbie Downer? Are you going to finish on a, on a down bit. note? A little bit. My number one is when the credits finally roll. The fucking movie was finally over. <laughs> I told you. Too damn long. Brad was angry. What was it? So I, I, in all honesty, never once in that movie did I ever go, okay, like, we could skip this scene. We could move it. Like, I felt like the pacing was just it perfect. It might have been the seat I was in. Okay. That movie was too long. I really feel like it's the seat because... I really want to go see it either again at IMAX, yeah. where I can really enjoy it, or yeah. just let hurry up, let's get it to digital, I want to buy it. Yeah. I, I mean, those are my two... Did you guys stay for the quote-unquote post-credits? Mm-mm. So there was not a post-credit scene, famously, but when the credits finished and the Marvel logo came up, there was a sound, and that was it. And the sound has been speculated. Oh, it's Cap... I think it was... Or not Cap, um, I told yes. yeah. I, it was basically ting, ting, like iron on an, or a hammer on an anvil. And it sounded eerily reminiscent of when he was building the original suit in the cave. Yeah. And so whether, like, what that teases, what that says, I don't know. Again, I felt like this whole thing started with Iron Man, so it was fitting that it kind of ended with Iron Man. So, yeah, I was wondering if you had a take on that. If you had a hot take on that. Uh, my hot take is, <laughs> if you look at my list, you go through it, and Iron Man touches almost each one. Yeah. I, I loved Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Yeah. I just thought he did, uh, you and I have a couple of Facebook posts of Cross, like when he goes to these children's hospitals. Oh my and gosh. Kind of and he's totally he just loves being Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And I mean, God bless him. Like, these guys, there's, yeah, it, it's one thing to just play the hero on TV or on the movies, but to like actually use it for, for good. And I know I'm sounding super corny right now, but what a cool thing to be able to do. Like, can you imagine being like the real life embodiment of Captain America or Iron Man and like walking into a children's hospital and like all these kids, like they don't know you as Chris Evans. They don't know you as RDJ. They know you as Cap. Yeah. They know you as Iron Man. Yeah. And that one that we were talking about where they gave the he gave him the little the Iron Man glove. The That's kid. one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, he walks in with the briefcase and he's all dressed up like Tony Stark. So uh, just for anybody listening, there was a video of Robert Downey Jr. going to like a children's hospital and there was a little boy who was missing an arm and he was getting a super advanced, technological advanced, like prosthetic arm that like someone else or something paid for. 
And as a surprise, Robert Downey Jr. delivered this kid his very own Iron Man hand. Or Iron Man, like, it was just the, like, the most heartwarming thing I've ever seen. And the kid's just like, oh. I mean, as, as excited as this kid is to get this arm. I mean, he's getting yeah. an arm. Right. He's more just sitting there looking at yeah. Tony Stark at the blank. Oh yes. God, Tony, I mean, and he came, like, dressed as Tony Stark. And he to, was... To the nines. So cool. Yeah. So cool. So, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Yeah. Um, where can people find the podcast? Uh, we're pretty much everywhere. Apple, or iPod or Apple iTunes, Stitcher. Spotify. And just to be clear, it's not hot takes from hot dykes. No, it's yeah. hot take from the kitchen. Hot take from the kitchen. Singular. No <laughs> ass. <laughs> and you can find it where all podcasts are at. Hey, you mind if since I got you for a couple? Go for it. So let's talk about the 4th of July really quick. Yeah. So what's the theme? Do you have one this year? Because when I talked to you last time, you didn't. We do have a theme. Uh, logging Heritage in Alpena. Nice. Yes. So as you know, like Alpena itself was built as a logging town, a lot of forests around the area, plus the rivers and the waterways, Lake Huron. So logging built up this area back in the 1800s. So yeah, we thought it'd be kind of cool to to run with that. Those of you who listen to this don't know, the parade, our 4th of July parade, which for many people is the official kickoff to the 4th of July in Alpena, who does it like no one else. Um, became orphaned, needed someone to take it over, and you and Mary Beth generously, super, almost heroically, rose to the occasion and took it over. I'll take that. <laughs> well, it's a lot of work, and it's thankless, and I mean, as you know, you can say, hey, we're going to put the, no one, the cutoff is July 1st. Do not even bother calling me with your Little League float after July 1st and July 3rd. You have 17 people all calling you and saying, hey, I didn't need to get in, and, and I, I've been part of that before, and <laughs> I know what you do, and to have 75 floats lined up, and I know you care about it, because you care about what that parade means to Alpena, so you take it seriously because of what it means to you, and I fully respect you for that. Thanks, man. And it's super cool, and I love what you've done with it. Um, the themes, which is really cool. Last year's Rosie the River. Yeah, that super one went cool. over super well. It was so cool to see how many people participated in yeah. yeah, I dug that. And Brad's going to dress up as Paul Bunyan now. Maybe I'll dress up on all blue. I'll be the Babe Blue Ox. What do you mean? So, like, <laughs> I mean, well, I, I didn't know your theme, and I think it's awesome. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, we're really excited. Um, it's, uh, it's 100% like a labor of love. And, I mean, it really is. It's It, like, increases in intensity up until the day. So it's like each day gets a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I'll tell you, my absolute favorite moment is, so we stage all the first, like the first 10 to 15 floats, like in the front. And so I have that order kind of predetermined and then everybody else comes into the track and we try and, last year we tried to predetermine order with numbers so people knew where they could go on the track so it was easier to find, easier to point people to places and whatnot. And, uh... But there's a moment where like you get to send out the first few floats and once you've got them rolling that you just kind of get to sit back and like get the best seat in the house for the parade. And I, I totally dig that. That's a, I just get to waver at everybody and <laughs> it's just really cool. So it's, it, it's an awesome event. I dig it. Yeah. But thank you, Steve, for the kind words. I appreciate it, man. Well, it's kind of what, it's a different pod, but I really feel like our town's in a transition and our community's in a transition right now. And there's a group of people that have kept Alpena afloat and really made this town what it is. I mean, I can, the Gallagher's coming to mind, mm-hmm. Joanne. Yep. 
you know. And shoots? Um, a lot, of, yeah. Cliff, you know, Bruce. Well, I mean, they're still incredibly and Bruce, involved. Yeah, Bruce too. Yeah. And, and there's some people that have passed on, you know, like yeah. the Johnstons. Mm-hmm. Um, and just these people, are, you know, Red Crittenden. Mm-hmm. These people are just beacons of what kept our community afloat and were generous, not only with their dollars, but with their time. And we are at a point now where it's a transition and people just need to step up. And there's nothing more awesome I love seeing than someone just saying, hey, you know what? I got this. And you have taken it. And not only have you ran with it, but you've actually improved it. You really have. We're trying. We're trying. And, you know, just to piggyback on that real quick, um, I couldn't agree with you more. But it's also a really unique time in terms of like, so as we expect more people to step up and get involved, I think as like times change and things change, and I think we need to be respectful of that. You know what I mean? Like, so as new gen, so I guess my point is, is as we want new generations or younger generations to step up and, and, and be more involved and do things you know, we might need to change the way we do things to be able to accommodate and include. You know, it, it's hard because sometimes we get used to like, well, this is how we've always done it, but that might be excluding people. And I gotta be honest with you, like, full disclosure, the parade, it's easy because we took it over. We run it. I don't have to work with anybody else. Like, so, I mean, we 100% get to come in and like do what we want and do it our way. We don't have committees. We don't have people to work with. That's the easiest situation possible. The more difficult situations are like you come into something that has pre-existing people and people who have got skin in the game and been doing it for a long time and figuring out like how can older generations work with younger generations? How can we, how can the younger generations respect what got us to this point while simultaneously the older generations can respect that, you know, they might have ideas and different ways of doing things and we might need to evolve a little bit. And I think that's the more challenging thing. I think for us to be able to come in and just kind of run something and have full control of it is almost easier. I think the the, the big challenge is, is with a lot of these other more complex events and organizations around town you know, how do we figure out how to start to bridge these generational gaps so that we can get younger generations more involved where they can feel supported, where they can feel like they're having a stake in the game and how can we start to transition to, and I think that's complicated. Like there's, there's a lot that goes on there. And without sounding silly, I feel like that's what I've done. Like if I could pick one thing that I would do is like, I have all these friends that are younger yeah. that I really connected with, you know, Christians, the Coopers, the Mendocs, they're, they're all in their 20s still, right. you know? And yet at the same time, you know, like Bruce Anschutz, um, you know, just all these other people that, are, they are old school. Yeah. You know, they are set in their ways and they believe in doing things a certain way. And yet you have this whole new generation of social media and right. um, even the mindset. You know, it's just my, different. It's, it's just, different. It's different. It's different. It's different. And, and, these people feel like, wow, man, they're old people and they're set in their ways. And these people over here think, wow, these young punks haven't earned anything. And to be able to have someone that can, for lack of a better term, work both sides and say, hey, you know yes. what? It may seem like that, but really what's going on is you have to understand the backstory that, you know, they moved here, they built this dealership from nothing, blah, blah, blah. On both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I mean, both, you're yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, there's not a side that's like stopping one or the other. I think it's like, but yeah. it's, it's, it's tricky, it's challenging. And I mean... 
we're not the first generation to run into this. Like it's happened so many times in the past yeah. and it's, it's just, it's a challenging thing to do. And I think it's compounded when you're in a small town and you know all these people and you do business with these people and you work with them and they're, it, yeah, it can be tough. Well, you probably see it just in your group classes. You probably have, you know, three or four generations just in one class. Yeah. So like, yeah. 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 All right. Well, you guys, this was a pleasure. Thanks so much for making the time. I'm really glad. Uh, super special crossover issue. I like it. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys soon. All right, thanks, Casey. Thank you, guys. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was a, an extremely enjoyable conversation for me and Brad and Steve, and I hope you enjoyed it. I know it was a bit off topic, uh, a little, little offbeat, if you will. We managed to... Sneak some fitness training related stuff in there, but um, I, I really hope you enjoyed it and thank you for indulging me and uh, allowing us to go off script a little bit, if you will. Um, don't forget to check out their podcast, Hot Take from the Kitchen. Uh, they have tons of great episodes, including one that features two of them that actually features someone you, you might know. So uh, uh, check those out. Make sure to check out their Facebook page and give those guys a like. Uh, they do a great job with what they do. And uh, while you're in the, the giving mood, wherever you're listening to this, if you could rate this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. It really helps us to get that out there. So if you could give us five stars, if you want to share anything about the show, by all means, we'd love to hear your reviews. Uh, any questions, any any viewers or listener submissions, anything you want us to cover, any future episodes, anything at all regarding the podcast, feel free to email us, info at performancelocker.com. We'd love to hear from you. And love to hear your suggestions, your feedback, your comments, uh, whatever you want to, to have us put on the air, so to say. Um, we got a lot of stuff coming up at Performance Locker this summer. A uh, lot of events, a lot of cool things. The bike, uh, paddleboard, kayak, canoe rentals are open and ready, so we're going to have a lot of cool stuff going on there, too. Uh, you can find information on all that fun stuff at our Facebook page, uh, Performance Locker on Facebook. You can also check out our website at any time for any of the basic info. So once again, don't forget to rate and uh, review the show. We really appreciate that. And until then, we'll talk to you next time. Take care.